You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast with Amy Greensmith, episode 498. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP498. Oh, well, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. Quick question. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on one more thing, or your partner asks what's bothering you, and you respond with a bold-faced lie? Oops. What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, and you could use some help with boundaries or speaking up, you are in the right place. Thank God. I am Amy Green-Smith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be solo, other times you'll hear from smart folks offering you easy-to-implement tools to help you tell the bold-faced truth. Yes! Well, hello, pod people. Amy here, and we are continuing our two-part series around goal-setting for the new year. If you joined me last week, you will know that I released my annual planning guide episode. It is called How to Make Shit Happen in 2024. And last week's episode came with a pretty elaborate planning guide. It is actually what I use every single year. It's what my husband uses every year. And it really helps us get on track to accomplish the things that we want to for the new year. So if you have not got your hands on that, it's completely free. We'll be sure to put the link to last week's episode in the show notes. And it is simply amygreensmith.com slash EP497. So it's always just the episode number. You can very easily navigate to that particular page. But you'll see an opportunity to get your hands on that planning guide. So this week, what I wanted to do is cover off about seven different things that tend to get in people's way as they start to plan out their new year and how we get so much kind of gusto and ambition towards the beginning of the year. And we know that statistically, there's a massive drop-off just after January. It's estimated around like 60% of people just completely throw in the towel after the first month. So I want to be able to give you all of the tools necessary to help you actually follow through. So what I'm going to do today is cover off seven different things that tend to get in your way and then talk about what you can actually do instead. And some of those I'm going to be referring back to the things that we talked about last week. So I'm hoping that's really, really helpful for you. I know it is for me. I created it for myself and then thought, hmm, I bet I bet other folks would like this. And so it's something that I do annually completely for free because I want more successful bitches out there. All right. A couple of things to note before we go into this that I thought was really, really a fascinating thing to talk about. First of all, there was a study that was done quite a few years ago in at the University of Scranton, and I don't know as if there has been a study conducted since then specifically around goal setting at the beginning of a new year. I really kind of searched my little ass off looking for updated statistics, but it looks like this is the most recent study. And basically, it's not good. It's fairly bleak. But what they found 
was that about 92% of people who set New Year's goals never achieve them. 92%. And there are very specific reasons for that, which we're going to cover off today. So that means a paltry 8% are actually accomplishing the goals that they set out for the new year. So how about we set you up for success? Here's another thing that I want you to be aware of. And one of the reasons why I do the planning guide every single year And there have been multiple studies on this depending on the group. And what has been found is that you have a 33 to 42% more likelihood, better chances of actually accomplishing your goals if you write them down as opposed to having them swimming around in your mind. And I've talked about this a little bit on pods in the past about the idiomotor response, which is a subconscious way that our mind communicates through our tactile ability to type or to write. And I really believe this. So this is why I think it's important not to just cognitively know what you want to accomplish, but to really physically write it down. So let's go through these seven things. Number one, you set the goal because you think you, quote, should. Now, this comes back to really figuring out the big why, the reason why you really want to go after this goal. Now, a lot of times we will get stuck in autopilot where maybe we've been working at the same organization for a really long time and it's just the natural next progression for us to continue to move up the ladder. But if we took a step back and said, okay, let me analyze this goal of going for director, going for VP or whatever it happens to be, Do I want that because I think I should, because society just says, hey, that's the natural next step? Or do I want it because it is a real fulfillment for me, a desire of my heart? And granted, sometimes there will be crossover, right? There will be, yeah, society says it's the next step, and I really fucking want that promotion. And that's completely fine, too. But I do think it's worth a little bit of contemplation and evaluation so you can stand back from it and go, wait a minute, am I setting this goal genuinely, truly for my own personal fulfillment, accomplishment, and happiness, or am I doing this because it's what my mom always wanted me to do, or it's what my partner wants, or it's what the organization that I work for wants? And I think It's really important to just give yourself pause and check in on that. You might find that, no, I really do want this. But I do think it's important to do sort of a litmus test, a little little check-in to make sure that you're still doing that. Now, one of the greatest questions you can ask yourself around this is if no one knew that I accomplished this or if I did not receive praise from X, Y, or Z, would I still want to do this? Now, sometimes that feels unreasonable because let's say you have a goal of, you know, being a a lead on a Broadway show, let's say. And in order for you to succeed in that role, you actually need an audience. You need people who know that you're doing it. But I, I'm hoping you can kind of grasp what I mean 
It's that if nobody else was pushing you towards this, if they weren't saying, here's your next natural step, or here's what is being demanded of you or expected of you, if we removed those folks' expectations, would you still want to go after this goal solely for your own personal fulfillment? All right. So that's number one, checking in and making sure that you genuinely really resonate with this goal and you want it to come to fruition for you. Now, there might be ways in which that goal actually does is in service of other people, and that's completely fine as well. But what we want to make sure is that we're not doing it only to make other people happy at your sacrifice. Okay. Number two, the goal is not clearly defined. This is one of the most prevailing concepts that I see working with clients and students when they talk about something that they want to accomplish. And I will say, okay, what does that specifically look like? And they will tell me something that's really vague, really ambiguous, and that is something like, well, I just want to be more positive, or I just want to be a little bit more physically active, or I want to just be a little bit more mindful. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck does that mean? And how are you going to know if you actually accomplish that? Now, of course, I'm not I'm not that rude. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a teddy bear with a sailor mouth. But it's really important to kind of check in and go, wait a minute, how will I know if I've actually accomplished this thing or not? So making it as specific as possible. So one of the examples I use quite frequently is let's say you're in a partnership and your partner says, I would like more romance in our relationship or I would like to work on our communication. Okay, what does that fucking look like? What does that sound like? What does that mean to you? Give me examples and refer back to the past. Like, hey, when you say these things, I would rather you say this specific phrase instead. Or with romance, one partner might be saying, hey, I want you to initiate sex more. But they're saying, I want more romance. And the other partner is going, oh, you want me to leave cute little notes for you in your lunch or around the house, or you want me to help out more with the house. That How we interpret that could be a million different things. And I think that specificity is really similar in this situation as well. Obviously, those aren't, those aren't the same things. But I wanted to illustrate how being really vague around your goal is like a, a miscommunication with yourself, right? So getting really clear on what exactly that means. If you want to make more money this year, what is that specific dollar amount? If you want to travel more this year, what are the specific places you want to go for how long and what type of budget are you going to set for them? Who are you going to be going with? Do you need to arrange, you know, folks who are bought in and committed with you? All of those things create more reality for you, more specificity, so that they are far more likely to happen. I was talking last week about how a lot of times people will jump into the new year and say things like, okay, this year is going to be all about my health. Or this year, it's going to be all about starting my business. 
which is great. Okay, awesome. But what are the specifics? Do you need to go get a a business license? Do you need to hire somebody to help you with a website? Do you need to build out the crucial pages on the website? And you kind of have to work backwards with all of these specific mini goals. If it's your health, like those are the two big ones I see. It's usually something around money or business or something around health and wellness. What exactly does that mean? Does that mean I want to be mobile and moving my body a specific amount of times? Does that mean I want to make sure I'm consuming three to five servings of leafy greens every single day? Does that mean that I'm going to go to a woman's wellness medical checkup once a year? I'm going to do two dental appointments. Does that mean consuming one gallon of water every day? Like what exactly does that mean? So watch out for your own concepts of vagueness where you you can certainly have a theme for the year or a word for the year. Absolutely. I definitely think that can be sort of an umbrella concept. But if we're talking about actually accomplishing specific things, the more specific, the better. So you want to ask yourself the question here of, How will I know that this is accomplished? So if I'm saying this is going to be the year of my health, what are those criterion that I can say, boom, yes, I took care of my health in the following ways? All right. Number three, this is a huge one, a huge one. Having no accountability or being surrounded by the wrong people. Listen, y'all, this is the reason why. I still, to this day, 15 years into personal development, still have my own coach, still have my own therapist, and right now have one sister mind group that I get together with that's kind of like a mastermind, but I fucking hate that word master. So we call ourselves a sister mind group where we build each other up both personally and professionally so that I am communing with people and carving out time very regularly to cater to my own personal development and accomplishing the things that I want. Now, if there was a very specific health goal, I would probably employ a health coach, somebody who I knew was going to keep me on track if there was something that I needed more accountability around. And this is very, very key. I think largely in our culture and our society, we are incredibly individualistic. And we've got this hero complex that I need to do it all myself. And for a lot of women out there or those who are femme presenting, we've gotten the message that in order to be successful, we have to be man-like. We have to be more masculine. We can't ask for help. That's a sign of weakness. And we have to behave in a way like we've got it all under control. Now, a lot of us have reasons for doing that that don't necessarily stem from a gender binary. It could be that you grew up in a family that was uh, second generation. Maybe you're second generation American. Your parents were immigrants. And so the idea is you handle everything yourself. You do not ask anybody else for support. You, you get the job done and you don't show any emotion while you do it, right? Like we all have these different influences of why we operate that way. But I want you to hear this loud and clear. You do not get extra fucking points for accomplishing goals 
without support, without help. There's not an extra badge of honor. You don't get extra money. You don't get more friends. There's nothing, no reason for you to not take help and support in order to get you where you want to go. Now, if we look at folks who, by all accounts, we would deem, quote, successful in our culture, do you think Beyonce doesn't have a killer fucking choreographer or a coach to help her musically or probably somebody to run her entire fucking household <laughs> and multiple folks, right? Like, I certainly do not buy into the idea of you have just as many hours of the day that Beyonce has. It's like, yeah, no shit. But she also has a shit ton of privilege and wealth that enables her to do exactly what she wants with her time during the day, as do most celebrities. So I don't think it's about having the same amount of time. I use that illustration to say there is no shame in outsourcing some fucking support. A majority of us thrive on accountability, whether it's around fitness goals or business goals or health-related goals. Any single thing that you are looking for, academic goals, even having a support group where you're all working towards the same degree, or you can have meltdowns about why are we doing this? <laughs> My thesis is killing me. And you can have that camaraderie and that support. We know scientifically that you are far more likely to accomplish the goals that you have for yourself if you have support, if you have people in your corner, okay? So I want you to think about that of do I need to either lessen the folks who I'm hanging out with or kind of take a step back because maybe they aren't as ambitious or they are super negative about anything that I want to accomplish and I feel like I have to justify my goals all the time. Maybe it's a scaling back. It doesn't always have to mean eliminating those folks from your life, but it could be just a conscious, deliberate I'm going to spend my time in a different way. It could be about really accepting support and help. Perhaps you're working in, in a community or in, in an environment where there are folks who are ready to help you out. They're ready to take things off your plate. But there's an internal weirdness that you have or a belief, internal weirdness, that's the official word for it. But you have an internal belief that there is something weak about allowing others to help you. What if you changed that into I am resourceful and it is unbelievably powerful to delegate and use my resources? That sounds to me like a much more powerful belief system. So consider what might be your next step as far as creating accountability around you. And another thing to note about this is how you operate best. Do you work really well one-on-one? -on -one? Do you work really well with a group setting? That can be really pivotal to figure out, okay, here's how I'm motivated the best. For example, Maybe you are so much more motivated if you go do group fitness, let's say, versus someone else who knows that if they hire a personal trainer, there's no way they're going to just not show up at the gym when one person is waiting for them. And that's the accountability that they need. And I hope that it's really clear that when I talk about fitness goals, I feel very strongly that moving our body 
can really help create longevity and oiling up our joints, but it is absolutely not about your body looking a specific way. I think you, if you've been hanging out with me for any any number of months or years, over the last year or two, I've really started to understand a lot more about diet culture and about our assumptions about those who are residing in a fat body and that there really is a way to be healthy at so many different sizes and that we have done a massive disservice. So I just want to throw that out there as a little disclaimer that I'm saying for me and the way that I view fitness is a a way to keep this body at whatever size it is operating around this planet at its best function so that I can keep doing the good that I do in the world and experience life to its fullest, not to fit in some fucking pair of jeans that some Kardashian told me I need to wear. Okay, (laughs) I'll get off that soapbox. But I do think it's important around this time of year because this is where we go, okay, what does the patriarchy want from me today? What does capitalism want from me this year? What does misogyny tell me I should look like this particular season, right? Instead of really looking at a lot of this stuff for what it is and going, do I really want this? Is there another way for this to be really fulfilling for me that's outside of making somebody else fucking rich? Okay. Anyway, number four is having a deadline or a due date and creating some self-imposed deadlines. So I really, really have to do this myself, especially if it's something that is reliant on my own action. So I have been, for many of you know, have been working on a book proposal for quite a long time. And every time I've made massive traction on that, it's because I set up self-imposed deadlines. So what I did is I hired some accountability. I hired a coach who specifically helps people curate a, a, a nonfiction book proposal. And I set up a date for her in the future So I knew that I needed to get my proposal to her by that date. So that meant then that I had to look at my calendar and carve out, okay, you've got to get your chapter summaries done by this day. You've got to get your competitive analysis done this day. You've got to get your overview done by this week. That way, I created all of these little mile markers in between And I knew if I needed to catch up, I knew if I had given myself a little bit more time, which very seldomly happens. But that due date was completely up to me. It was totally arbitrary. I just picked it because it felt like, okay, I think I can get all of this done by that time. So you might want to think about that. A perfect example, kind of in the the fitness world, this is what Mr. Smith does quite frequently, right at about the time that he was 50, turned 50, he wanted to compete in Spartan races. So he has found that by having a Spartan race down the line somewhere, he can really fit in his fitness training and look at like, okay, I need to be able to do this many box jumps by this date, or I need to train at this specific altitude because my race is going to be in a different altitude. So I need to do that in this particular month. So it helps him create a deadline. And he has found that if he doesn't have one of those self-inflicted deadlines, that he can become 
a lot more sedentary and he finds that he drinks a lot more alcohol. And those are things that he doesn't want to implement in his life as much. So he creates these self-imposed deadlines. Now, the same could be true for absolutely any other goal that you have in life. If you think about going to school and accomplishing a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, those are deadlines that are imposed upon us. So they are so much easier to follow. Like we know when the semester starts and ends. We know when this assignment is due or not due. So if you have a goal like that for yourself that isn't already coming with its own structure of deadlines and due dates, figure out how you can do that for yourself. And I know for me, not only is it deciding on the actual due date, but it's also having an accountability partner or structure set up in such a way that I actually follow through, that I have some sort of skin in the game. And sometimes for me, it's monetary. It's making sure that I've paid somebody you know, a decent chunk of change to help me with my book proposal. (laughs) All right. Number five, here's another way in which sort of our inner critic kind of pops in. And you quit at your first big setback. Now, this can be informed by so many different things. So let's say you had been really wanting to advance your career and you went for a promotion and you didn't get it. And let's say that you've been surrounding yourself with maybe family members or friendships or even colleagues who kind of beat you down about that. So maybe your environment really needs a shift where you need people in your corner who don't encourage you to give up, right? I can't stress that enough, being around the right people. But That can also make it really easy to just quit and say, you know what? I fucking tried it. It's not for me. I don't think I don't think it's going to pan out. Now, I definitely think there's time to quit. In fact, I will link to a pod that I've done specifically on knowing when to quit because I do think that that's that's another way that we kind of put unrealistic expectations on ourselves by saying, You have to accomplish things at all costs when it's no longer in service of you. So again, that takes some introspection. But if it is something that you genuinely, truly, really want to accomplish and you get knocked down, you're going to have to get back up. I'm sure you have heard the old proverb of fall down seven, get up eight which somebody pointed out to me years ago, does not make sense at all because if you fall down seven times, you get up seven times. (laughs) You don't get up eight times. You get up seven times. And I was like, oh, wow, no one caught that this whole fucking time. Yeah, okay. But that, that is sort of the concept that we're talking about here, that oftentimes if things don't go our way, We will mourn that loss. Let's say you get passed over by a promotion. We'll mourn that loss, but then the inner critic will come in, and instead of us just allowing ourselves to be sad and grieve, we will attach to this idea that that must mean I'm not good enough. I'm not valuable. I'm not worthy. This isn't possible for me. Sort of a barrage of negative commentary and truly negative belief systems that pop in there. So if you have an inner critic that goes, see, 
C, this isn't worth it. C, you're not going to be able to accomplish this. C, nobody in your family is ever going to be able to, to change this generational issue. That is a clue in for you to check in and go, okay, obviously my inner critic is getting chatty here. Is this something that is just a bummer, right? Like, does this situation suck or do I suck? Most of the time, it's just that situation sucks, okay? We don't have to equate setbacks with our self-worth. So we've got number six now. Your self-talk sucks, all right? Your self-talk sucks. Now, part of this could be what we were talking about talking about here back with number five, where as soon as you have a setback, your inner critic comes in and starts berating you about how it's not possible for you. But this is also a way in which our inner critic pops up about all of our obstacles, and it focuses on the obstacles or the things that we have not done as opposed to the solution. So you want to think about, I don't know what a good percentage is, maybe like 10% on the problem, 90% on the solution. But that inner critic will want to spend 90% of the time talking about how shitty the situation is or how it's not possible or everything has to be so fucking hard. And this is where you have to recalibrate. This is where you have to shift what you are saying. So when when I teach about this with my clients and students, we are not saying that you are going to be void of inner critic conversation. In fact, we can't get rid of it. It's a part of our biological fear response. In fact, it keeps us safe in many ways. What we are talking about is managing it, being able to recognize that the inner critic is coming up, likely because we are on to something. There's some change that we are really able to create that we desire, but it's new and it's scary. And the inner critic is going, are you sure you want to go for that promotion? We know how to work in this job. We know how to stay stuck here. Are you sure that's safe? We better start shit talking you just in case that's not safe. That's really what's happening. So in those moments, you have to catch that inner critic and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. (sighs) Okay, I understand why you are getting chatty. You are afraid of the unknown. Like we don't know what it's going to be like in this new position or we don't know what it's going to be like moving to this new state or abroad even. But we've got this. We're choosing courage over fear, right? Like whatever sort of statement that you want to infuse there to help you kind of redirect your thought patterns. It's a sort of a recalibration, right? So one of my favorite things, especially if fear is coming up around any sort of goal attainment, is to remind yourself that courage cannot exist without fear. We need it, right? In order to be brave, courageous individuals, we have to be confronted with some kind of obstacle, something that scares us in order for it to be fucking worth it, right? Otherwise, we're sitting in our comfort zone, we're sitting in mediocrity, And we're just kind of wallowing and letting the years go by. But anything that we really want to attain that lights us on fire and gets us so fucking excited but is also cloaked in an element of fear is going to require you to be courageous, right? So that might be one of the things that you want to put on your screensaver or on your laptop screen, or maybe you have it pop up on reminders, or 
you know, maybe it's even as simple as on your, maybe it's a reminders on your phone. I have a bunch of those programmed in, so they just pop up every so often with with mantras that I want to remember and that I want to stay connected to so that if I'm in the minutiae and the day in and day out struggle of writing the damn proposal or whatever it is that I'm doing, that it pops up and says something like, small steps lead to your biggest victories or something like that. Something that is very applicable to what I'm going through and the motivation that I need around that particular thing. So when you're choosing self-talk statements or mantras to encourage you, they need to be things that actually resonate, that hit home for you. Not that you're like, I I saw this flowery statement online. It has to be something that you genuinely want to be reminded of and you want to use to combat any of that negative inner critic talk that's coming up around your your goal striving. All right, number seven, this is another big one. You have a specific goal that you really do want to attain, but your method is off. I've used this example many times. You've probably heard me share about it before. But early in my business development and creation, I was told you have to go to all these in-person business networking groups. That's how you need to build your business. Now, I did have very specific goals of these are the amount of clients I want to work with per month. This is the amount of revenue I want to generate each year. However, the method of gaining that revenue or gaining those clients, I learned very quickly that I did not want to do that through in-person network marketing where I stood around and gave a fucking elevator speech and then everybody wanted to sell me their leggings or their protein powder. Like that was not what I wanted to spend my time doing. I realized that building a social network and being able to connect with people from all over the globe through social media was way more my jam. I would much rather have free events, free workshops, all sorts of things like that where I could commune with people from all over the world and network in that way from my home where I could be in sweats on the bottom and a cute outfit on the top. That was my jam. So the goal actually didn't change. What I wanted to accomplish did not change, but my method was off. I needed to tweak my execution. I needed to tweak the processes that I used to get to that goal. Okay, so that could be the same for you. It could be like, you know what? I really much prefer online education versus being in person in order to get a degree or a certification. Maybe it is like I was talking about earlier with fitness, I would do so much better with a running club than I would trying to do a workout at home. Or I'd rather go hiking with people than feel like I have to do some sort of routine every single day. So maybe that it's still a specific goal that you have, but you want to tweak the method, okay? So keep that in mind because that can be a big derailment where because the method is off, the inner critic comes in and goes, you're not good at this. You can't build a business. You're never going to get a promotion. You're not the... And it's like, well, maybe I'm focusing on building the wrong skills or maybe I'm focusing on a method that I don't like. And there's all these other ways to go about that. So start examining. Is it the goal that I don't really want? Maybe it's going back to the very beginning 
Uh, you set this goal because you think you should. Maybe that's the issue. Or it could be something else like it's just the method. So all of these things need examining. Or am I talking shit to myself? And I've what I really need to do is grieve that I didn't get something that I wanted and I have a bit of a bump along the road that I'm going to have to surmount. That might be another examination where you go, okay, I, I yes, I still do want the goal and I'm really fucking bummed out that this client didn't hire me or I didn't finish the race or whatever whatever else it might be. So that's the whole keep getting up, keep getting back up if you have determined that that's a goal you still want to attain. So let's just do a quick little recap of seven ways to make sure you are following through on your goals because I want you all to be that 8%. And again, make sure you grab that planning guide, that free planning guide from last week. All right. So number one, making sure that this goal is genuinely, truly for you. You are setting that goal because you really want it, not because you think you, quote, should. Okay. Number two, you clearly define your goal. You're very crystallized with your tactics and you know exactly what your next step is. And at the end of the year, you can know very crystal clearly if you've accomplished this goal or not. Number three, you surround yourself with the right people and you look for opportunities for accountability and you don't think that you have to be a fucking hero and do everything on your own. You su- you source the support you deserve. Number four, you give yourself due dates and deadlines, even if you have to create your own self-imposed deadlines. Number five, you don't quit at the first setback as long as the goal truly is a desire of your heart and not somebody, not just for somebody else. Number six, you learn how to speak kindly to yourself. And number seven, you really analyze your methods. You make sure that the path to attaining that goal is really setting you up for success and analyzing what methods support you the best. And those might be in tandem with accountability or, you know, something else. So there you have it. Again, make sure you get your hands on that planning guide. And I believe that that is it. I will see you around these parts next week. So please remember you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, 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 just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you. Bye.